Welcome to Things Leaders Do, the podcast that uncovers the secrets of becoming an extraordinary leader. If you're a leader who's constantly seeking growth, inspiration, and tangible ways to level up your leadership, then you've come to the right place. Remember, the world needs exceptional leaders, and that leader is you. Now, here's your host, Colby Morris. Welcome to the TLD Podcast. I'm Colby Morris, and I am excited to have you join me today. I had a lot of great feedback from part one of this podcast, and I'm ready to give you the next session. If you're wondering who I am and why I can give this training, it's because, frankly, I've lived it. I've been in every part of leadership, from middle management to the COO. I've learned things the hard way, and I want to help you take an easier path. This is part two of the time management for leaders training. If you missed part one with the first two steps, I'd highly encourage you to go listen to that one. However, these episodes are independent of each other and the two steps I'll cover today will be independent of the first episode. So let's go straight to step three. Again, the first two steps were in part one. The third section of time management for leaders is to own your schedule. I know that a lot of you out there like to use a paper calendar or a planner. I'm telling you, in today's world, that just isn't the most effective method anymore. If someone in your company or your organization wants to schedule a meeting with you, they're going to look at your Outlook calendar and pick an open date or time. So if you don't use Outlook, they have absolutely no way of knowing if they're scheduling when you have a conflicting meeting or if you're out for the day. Manage literally everything in your Outlook calendar. For me, I even, yeah, this is nerdy, but I even color categorize the events. I currently have categories for the following. My one-on-ones are in yellow. Deadlines are in red. Makes sense. Meetings are in blue. Anything personal is in orange. If I'm planning, that's in teal. And training is in green. And my last one is travel. I put that one in purple. The next step of this is to end the day with a priority list for tomorrow. What does this look like? Well, you can do it on a notepad or even sticky notes, but uh, you need to write down the top three or four things that you know you have to be focused on that have to be completed tomorrow. Prioritize them and make them visible. Now. Put them in your Outlook calendar, even if it's just a block of time. When you come in in the morning or open your computer or your laptop, that should be the first thing you see. You should already know what you have to get done today. Now, after you're you know, seeing your, your to-do list, what I want you to do is just kind of skim through your email or have some tasks that you see that... These are what we're going to call nice to do items, meaning when you complete the main things, those three or four things that were the main focus of the day, it would be nice if you would complete these other four or five things after that. These four or five things should be prioritized just as well as the the main three. Now, just a minute ago, I mentioned uh, about a block of time. Let's look at that a little more closely. You're going to have days where you've just got to get things done. 
you will need blocks of time to get work done. I like to call these report days. On these report days, you're going to block three to four hours of uninterrupted work time with emergencies as the only exception as to how you can be interrupted. You're going to need to train your team on this one before you do it, but let's cover the process first. You'll tell your team that you're going to have a report day. During this time, you'll be unavailable. However, you will have open time at, say, 1130. At 11.30, you'll be able to bring me your questions or issues. Again, you'll need to train your staff ahead of time, but here's something you're hearing me say frequently if you're a regular listener. As a leader, listen, as a leader, do not think for your staff. How does that tie in? Well, this is how. When you tell your staff that you have your open times. Again, let's use 1130 for this example. That's when your staff can bring you questions. The questions should be written down. Why? Because we're working on time management. You know what happens if they weren't written down. They come in, they're stuttering. What was I going to ask you? Um, I had this question. I can't remember. Hey, everything going okay? What are you doing for lunch today? No. No, absolutely not. Whether they have one question or five, they need to be written down. Now, here's the key to this whole thing. With each question, they should also come up with a couple solutions. I teach my team that for every question they ask me, they should bring me two solutions. Once you get them used to doing that, and it may take a while, the second part or the the progressive part of that is they should be prepared to explain which solution they think is right and why. But for now, they need to be prepared to bring you solutions and not just the problems. But they're going to have to do some research. They're going to have to do some homework. What we're trying to do is create them to be problem solvers. We're trying to develop them. But if we're always going to think for them, well, one, that hinders their development, and it also drains your time. Once you finish that open time, again, we said 1130, they finished that asking all their questions. Now go to lunch. When you get back, remind everyone that you have report day until, say, four o'clock. And then you'll have open time again. And you just repeat the process from earlier. One thing that you want to make sure you do is add this report day time into your Outlook calendar. Block out that time. Again, in this instance, we'll say 8 a.m. to 1130. And it'll just say report day. And then again, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. The other part that is truly effective is to make sure that first thing that morning at your pre-shift kickoff meeting, which we're going to discuss later, you should make this announcement. Hey, everyone, just a reminder that today I have report day until 1130. After that, I'll have 30 minutes of open time to help. Then I'm going to go to lunch. I'll resume report day when I get back until 4 o'clock, and then I'll have open time again after that. You must continually train and develop your team on this. And by creating 
opportunities for them to be problem solvers, you are going to develop better leaders and your time will come back multiplied beyond your expectations. All right. So that was a lot. Let's move on to the fourth part of time management. The fourth part of time management is to address the issues. Okay. You have to address the issues. I heard uh, Pastor T.D. Jake said that you cannot change what you will not confront. Ouch. I'm going to say that one again because sometimes we need our toes stepped on. You cannot change what you will not confront. There are some things that you must address as a leader. As you know, there's nothing more frustrating than someone on the team who doesn't perform. As a leader, we have two reactions. One, we just let it go. Either because we're just exhausted by them, or we know we'll have to hire someone to replace them. Or two, we address it. We correct the behavior and we get them back on track. That's successful. Now, yes, there is a third option, which is that we address it, we coach it, we train them. And ideally, yes, they change, but sometimes they still don't perform. Then, yes, we will have to replace them. I always say we're going to promote them to another organization. For those of you who are in this position, I want you to think of it this way. When you think of your team and that one person, the one who just doesn't perform, the one who drags the team's performance down, the one you have to spend so much time on, what would it be like if you had a high performer in that position? Think about that. How would that change things? Just take a moment. I'm not sure if you know this part or not, but your team knows who your low performer is. And I don't know if you know this part or not, but your high performers, they don't want to work with low performers. Again, that's a topic for another day. The next part of this issue is this. You must address missed deadlines, especially those deadlines that affect your deadlines. When someone misses a deadline, whether it's their fifth time or their first time, you need to address it with that person. John Spence said that ignored behavior is condoned behavior. So here's how you do it. If it's someone who is consistently missing deadlines, here's what I'd say. Hey, I've had a couple issues getting the final report finished lately. When that happens, it creates several issues up the chain and that leads to some hard conversations. The cause of those issues is that you've missed the deadline several times now. Is there something that's keeping you from meeting the deadline? Is there a roadblock or something I can help remove? Why did I phrase it that way? Because as the leader, you own the results of this person's work. It's your responsibility to know this person. There may be some serious issue at home that is affecting their work. There may be a roadblock that you're unaware of that's keeping them from completing the report on time. You, the leader, need to own it. And you help that person be successful. However, you also need to listen actively. What does that mean? It means that you're actually listening to what they say. You're listening to understand more than listening to respond. 
If you truly hear what they are saying, you can ask the appropriate follow-up questions. You'll know if you need to address the person in a performance management manner, or if you need to address the legitimate issues that are keeping the person from completing the report on time. All right. The third issue you need to address is meetings. Oh my gosh. Specifically, the number of meetings and whether or not they are effective. It is so irritating to sit in a meeting that doesn't make any sense, or if you don't even know why you're there. That's why it's important to streamline meetings and assure that we actually accomplish things. There are two types of meetings that I would recommend to every manager, depending on your level of management. Supervisors and middle managers, I'd recommend having the pre-shift meeting every day, whether it's morning, afternoon, whatever. Before the shift starts, you call everyone together. This meeting should not last more than five minutes. The pre-shift meeting is quick and informative. Is designed to get quick information to the people who need to hear it, and we always want to end on a positive note. Something like this would be appropriate. Good morning, everyone. Just a reminder that John is on vacation today, so Mary is covering for him. Any calls about the quarterly report, those will go to David today. And let's say a very happy birthday to Maria. And everybody sings, oh, and it's Omar's two-year anniversary with the company. Everybody applauds. And again, quick, informative, and get them out. This is also the meeting that I mentioned earlier where you announce, oh, and today I will have a report day. I have open time at 1130. I'll be available for any questions, but emergencies only. But again, in on a high note, like the birthday or the anniversary, or just thanking them for what they do. You'd be surprised how far that goes. The second meeting that I recommend is called the L10 meeting, which stands for the level 10 meeting. This is a part of the EOS, the entrepreneur operating system. The L10 meeting is streamlined and it's designed to make sure that teams are getting things done. There's a high level accountability and it's also highly visible. There's action plans that are designed after getting to the root of the issues and, and problems of why certain measurements are not where they should be. I'll cover this meeting on a separate podcast at a later date, but uh, the final part of addressing the issues is to create systems that allow for more productivity. You have to start creating systems that allow you to be more productive. What does that mean? You're thinking, what kind of systems? I don't know of any systems. It's everything we've covered. Everything in this podcast and in part one. Those are the systems you can implement. James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, said, if you want better results, then forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. Now, many of you are thinking, yeah, but Colby, you don't understand. The place where I work, this job I have, this it's just this job. It's busy. It's insane. I don't know how to change it. Well, I think we've all been in that seat before. I'm going to go back to James Clear again. I love this one. He has a ton of quotes I love, but he said, you don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can also be the architect of it. You have to be the one to make the change. How do you do that? You take action. Again, nothing happens with just head knowledge. Only when you make it heart knowledge and you start practicing, does something change. 
Garrison Wynn said that knowledge is not power. Implementation is power. So pick something from this podcast that you are not currently doing and start practicing it today. Why? Because if we all start leading differently, imagine the progress we'd make. That's what leaders do. Thank you for listening to Things Leaders Do. If you're looking for more tips on how to be a better leader, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and listen to next week's episode. Until next time, keep working on being a better leader by doing the things that leaders do.